Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Station going. Oh, we lost. Uh, Shona got knocked off. She'll she'll come back up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the uh, well, because I wanted to say I, I like what we're doing. You know, as you guys are kind of developing your own things, like it makes this conversation richer because it's not just, you know, maybe therapy solutions is sponsoring it, but it's a conversation of of uh, extended therapy business is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah I completely agree I ran into her in the Tri-Cities Birth Network and she I did had heard about that was flowing um that was happening so I'm glad that you were able to go uh yeah I did um it was really wonderful to be in a room with like-minded people and it, it and it, you know po- with this c- conclusion of the pandemic sort of um, uh-huh. coming together so that was uh that was neat i'm finding that when i get together with people like that then i'm like overstimulated i'm awake most mm-hmm. of the night <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i'm going to do some group classes because we've got so many referrals i it Cadillac is even sending their referrals to us because their wait lists are now like six months out. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it's there's so many. Um, so I thought I could do just um, some um, guesses of the basic information. And are are these referrals from Cadillac like just regular no pelvic uh, PC? Is it oh they're all pelvic door. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, I think they might be starting to let go of some of the lymph too. I had a, a you know good affirmation that uh, so one lady, oh man, in her thirties, two kids, just two kids, two births, shall we say, one C-section, mm-hmm. and um, is gone through two rounds of physical therapy in Seattle and thought she would do one more before she considers surgery for prolapse. For Oh, oh yeah. 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 And so I thought, well, this is a good test of our philosophy and what's different. Uh-huh. And sure enough, you know, I'm giving her information she had not received elsewhere. Which and is a little better. like scary. Like I always like, just because of what, the sensitivity of what we do like I feel we have this extra layer of like worth that we have to show and like like I feel like if anyone like fucks up like we're done right kind of a thing and so even though I know that's not true but I had like that's like my fear is like someone's gonna ruin this game like this game for us and like we're just done you know um and unfortunately when I hear about just sad not bad, just like lack of information just because of whatever maybe the biases of a PT are, then it's just frustrating to me. Yeah, well, and and I'm trying to, you know, like what's different that I gave her? And the other thing is she's seen me where I think, you know, Laura has really stayed on top of where is the profession going? So Laura really yeah. knows that ultrasound machine, and the biofeedback and all that stuff. And I have uh-huh. learned how to do it, but I feel like, ah, oh, I just wasted part of my time with this patient assessing with this machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I've done yeah. this, I feel like I've, I've just assessed for 45 minutes. And yeah, um, well, I don't know. This is like, you got to tell me if I'm wrong. So I haven't been using it as much. I just go ahead and like, this is what I think I feel with my hands this is what we're going to do. And, and then the information and the, and the movement training, the movement training. I think because you um, do your internal assessment with people sitting up and with a mirror, like they're, they're seeing what the ultrasound is, is seeing, right? I think that's why I liked the ultrasound is because when I did assessments, it was either in standing or in supine and without a mirror, right? So then um, having the ultrasound after we've been doing a few things and then, oh, we're we're not quite getting like what we're needing. Um, And then I put them on because maybe they're more of a visual learner. Um, that seemed to help more um, than as like the first assessments that I want to do. Um, there was one person who like she loved doing it because when I was telling her to like breathe when trying to have a bowel movement or trying to have to urinate, she was like, "I this doesn't make any sense of why you want me to do this." And then when I put it, when I showed her what she was doing when she was breathing on the ultrasound, she was like, Oh, now I get it. You know, um, so that's that just my, yeah, that's my skill level. Then I just need to do it more and think of it in those terms, you know, function, like showing them function. 
I love that you did yeah. it in standing too, because I wouldn't do what I do in standing. So that apparently also I, I do trigger point differently than she'd had the person whoever. And I just oh. told her, look, whoever you had last time, they were working where they were finding the problem. And now that's mm-hmm. shifted. Um, and it seems like they were working more operator internus where I go back through the three parts of levator, ain't I? Mm-hmm. And I do operator internus, but I don't just stay there. I want all those muscles to yeah, exactly. have mobility. And I also think the difference is, is taking into account when they're not doing what we ask, figuring out what's going on in your life that you're not able to adapt, adopt mm-hmm. what we're recommending. Yeah. So it's also how, how we're educating, I think not just giving information, mm-hmm. but, you know, working on behavior change. I, I don't know. Be, yeah. And the other thing can be that the third time's the charm, you know? Oh yeah. And I, when I was at CSM, I took a course or like a, a the lecture of um, how pop, how public organ prolapse is like they're changing the definitions a little bit and they're showing that you know we what we've already seen which is that uh, there isn't a connection between severity of prolapse and symptoms like you know people can have a grade one and they're freaking out and a grade three and they're like oh it's not that bad (laughs) and they're showing that there is a connection between central sensitization situation so fibromyalgia IBS um, mental health issues um, chronic fatigue syndrome so those those syndromes that tend to be central nervous system sensitization those people tend to have higher symptoms um so I don't know if that woman is experiencing the same thing interesting you know what she would be now that you say that and and so yeah. that my treatments naturally kind of address that without yeah, saying. which makes sense because like you know maybe the last two places that she went were all about pelvic floor contraction. Now obviously they did some internal stuff, but they really just focused on the contraction and the exercise. But if she's running at a ten all the time, then does it matter? You can't. Yeah. Swat your way out of your your prolapse that way, right? Yeah. Anyways, I hear you guys are talking about pelvic floor and oh past. yeah, we haven't really started our our conversation. Our conversation was okay. getting like yeah. just the title. We didn't even fill in the outline, but the the right. cro- crooked path of healing. <laughs> yeah, it's like we all knew. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a juicy topic. Such a good one. Yeah. So then I did start thinking about what does that mean? But well, maybe I'll ask the question. How come both of you were like, oh, yeah, that's a good topic. (laughs) What emotion does that evoke for you? The topic. Uh, I first read that I felt frustration. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, man, like, why can't it just be a straight line? Um, about frustration, I think, just more, firstly from myself personally and my own healing journey. And then 
too, I guess, like as a practitioner working with clients, it just, um, it, I can see how it can be frustrating for my, for my patients as well. And how we have to do a lot of work in, um, in those times of like step back or remission, um, to kind of keep people motivated or keep spirits high of like, this is just part of the process. And, um, it's it just, yeah, those setbacks can be a really frustrating time. So I was just curious what, like, yeah, Christina, your like reaction to it was and what everybody's emotional like reaction or initial thoughts are about it. I think mine was more of like life is already hard, right? So why does something that's positive or that should be positive of a healing journey, why does that have to make it be so difficult to you? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe mine's more like of a melancholy or just that I'm like bettering myself. I should be rewarded consistently for this. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, like the healing, the true healing comes in the hardship, which again is just not fair. So I think I come at more of the life is already hard. Why does something positive in my life have to be hard too? As I, well, as far as my emotional reaction to it, um, mm-hmm. I think of over the years, you know, when I started, oh, gosh, there's so much, it's hard to put into words, um, mm-hmm. desperation at first, you know, like no one has answers and the anger that no one has answers, um, mm-hmm. depending on. Well, for me, what I was dealing with was that low thyroid stuff. And I remember going to the doctor, even after they put me on medication and saying, you know, I'm just tired all the time, you know, and why am I putting on weight and getting kind of brushed off? If the journey of healing is like that, that was frustrating. And now where I am, it's more um, calculated. It's, and that's not even an emotion. It's like um, healing is stepping into a labyrinth. There is always, you can always reach your destination. It's just going to take you in odd directions. And where that center lies may never be what you expect it to be. Love that. So what, what's your like personal reaction when, if you have a setback in your healing journey, has that evolved over time? Just knowing what you know now? Yeah, that's a good question that way, because um, I think, you know, my latest healing has been sparked through the Ayurvedic process. And, but what's happening in this process, I can handle because of what I learned through myofascial release and the manual therapies, where you get worse to get better. And realizing that that's um, what I need to do to get get myself to a better state of health now. Before I, I think I got to that realization quicker than I have in the past, but there was this uncertainty, distrust, fear. <laughs> like, what if, I, like that's, yeah, yeah. what if I'm messing myself up? Right. Because you're getting sicker. So there is that fear of how do I trust this process? Should I trust this process? Yes. You know, 
Right, right. And and finding the voice you can trust. I read an article last night about this. I think it's Sarasota Public Hospital or something like that. And they are under attack by residents showing up at what used to be their boring public meetings, um, you know, uh, angry about how COVID-19 was handled. And now, I mean, numbers are at the lowest they've been through the whole pandemic. Like we're, we're through the rockiest part. What We should be past this. And here they are. People are getting all worked up because they're not using uh, medications that they think that they should use. When medical science has proven those particular things are not appropriate, are not useful. Yet these people that are attending the meetings are so sure that that they that these should be part of treating this condition that's no longer a big deal. Anyway, um, and when you say residents, do you mean residents of the town or residents in the hospital? Um, residents in the town, but oh, they're okay. they're also trying to sort it out. Like I bring I bring it up when you're looking for getting over something that's like COVID-19, that was all new and we didn't know how to treat it. And uh, we all had to figure it out at once. So, you know, where you get your information from, how you figure out what's going to help you uh, be well, it's not so easy. (laughs) And even before there was internet, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but now with internet, there's so many opinions and people can present their information in such a sophisticated way. You don't know whether it's correct or not. So there's confusion, I think, is another emotion. Is that an emotion? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Confusion, distrust, fear. And I feel it goes back to the conversation we had before. We've had many conversations about when something goes against your belief system or maybe not even goes against like maybe there wasn't even a realm of possibility in your belief system of a certain thing and then someone gives you options that is exactly what you're looking for but maybe presented in a different way or um, maybe presented in a way that you don't necessarily can comprehend or or believe and that can be difficult too, both as a practitioner and as a client. That it's coming back to that belief system, I think, is is hard. And what our moral obligation is in our life, um, and our circumstances in our life, like it's amazing how probably what I learned in my early twenties. Like now, I'm like, oh yeah, of course, like that's common knowledge. But my twenties, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's unheard of. I never heard of it. And, yeah. and I think too, I've been really focusing on the echo chamber that I live in. Um, so I actually submitted after attending CSM and seeing the exhibitor hall, and there was not one exhibitor that was at all promoting like the fitness portion of physical therapy. Oh, wow. um, I, yeah, which really shocked me. I, I'm still like trying to grapple with it. And so the two things that I just, I like thought of after was, well, one, I live in an echo chamber. 
So a lot of the people I talk to and associate with and follow on social media think relatively the same that I do. So in my, then in my head, my echo chamber is saying, well, there's some people who are doing this. Why isn't the CSM representing that voice? But like in reality, like it maybe isn't, isn't still attainable for a lot of physical therapy uh, clinics and individual therapists to be able to obtain a, some fitness, more fitness-based approaches. So then I was like, well, then I'll do it. So I actually submitted a, a proposal for CSM for next year um, about uh, introducing strength training for the public floor physical therapists um, and trying to reduce some of that stigma around it um, and decrease the access um, uh, improve the access of of that information and hopefully present it in a non-biased way or as limited bias as possible. So um, I think part of it too is it, your personality. Like mine's like, well, if I see a hole in something, like I'm going to do something about it. Whereas other people are like, if I, there's a hole, like maybe there's just no resources for me um, in that regarding that hole or, or something like that. So um, that's exciting. Are you going to, you want to do it as a presentation? Are you going to do it as a booth? As a presentation. Awesome. And then hopefully it would be then sponsored by um, a company that provides fitness based equipment. So then they can then sponsor the lecture and then they then can have a booth and exhibit a hall um, as a way to maybe present like wholesale prices or like maybe they can help you build out something with, especially if your space is small. Um, so yeah, that was kind of in my head, but sometimes like if you just don't have the resources or the knowledge or your belief system, like keeps you in one way, like going after what you think is best for you or just trying something else just like isn't there. So and we're even seeing it in our profession, right? Like I saw three arm bikes being sold at three different vendors in the exhibitor booth, not knocking arm bikes. They aren't necessary in certain capacities. Uh, but I don't think we need three vendors selling three <laughs> different arm bikes. Um, but not one kettlebell or barbell was there. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, you you taught me ad resistance to wake up the mm -hmm. muscles. So true. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't have to be much. Like, Right. I think unfortunately, like people think of like the gym bros and like they're walking around looking like meatheads, and that's what strength <laughs> training is. But in reality, like just adding like a little bit more weight, a little bit more load, not only is what progressive resistance is needed to improve something, but also just your nervous system likes it with within reason, right? Like I'm not saying we need to go yeah. crazy here, but well, um, it's just amazing how that has, like, how even something as as well researched and well supported as the American Physical Therapy Association, and how there's a slow buy-in and other things too, and and so that that can be with individual patients as well. You, um, I love. I was saying uh, before that one of the things I like about this conversation now is that we now represent three different 
businesses, you know, with a similar philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you sprinkled your understanding of things at Therapy Solutions. And so even this weekend in my yoga class, we did we used a we used the sand weight to add resistance mm-hmm. to an exercise so that we would get better glute re- uh, recruitment in the exercise. Oh, that's a great idea. But it was only, think, you know, and, 10 pounds. Yeah, yeah, even, yeah, exactly. And and the same way in your regard too, like both you and Shona like really showed me how slow intentional movement um, and only doing 10 exercises in an hour, like in having the mindfulness and having more isometric and isolated movements, how that can also improve um, people's awareness and and physical abilities too. Um, so that that um, is something I've learned and added into my practice as well. That's I, that's really exciting. Remember that class you did? Don't pee. Uh, how not to pee? Mm-hmm. Do double unders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's like that. That was that was a little bit more general, um, but this is this is gonna be more specific. But it is it, it is dipping into the toes, it, or dipping the toes in the water uh, about this topic. Yes, and that um, is so. You know, I was at a meeting this last week uh, of practitioners in, in the Tri Cities who help women with birth, and one of them was represented from your. Um, old Jim here and you left a mark there because she she's so comfortable talking about it with her clients now and oh good yes um and the what a great atmosphere it it creates at the gym for everyone that's at 12 stones yeah, and I think also that mentality then spreads into like their families and the community. Like, you know, there are certain gyms in the area that, you know, kind of made fun of pelvic floor dysfunction in a tongue-in-cheek way, and you know, twelve stones like took it very seriously, and then that bleeds then into our entire community of the gym, and then bleeds into their families and friends and saying like, no, like you should be like, if it ever comes up in conversation, like, no, there's like people that can help you with that. Like you should definitely check it out. So, um, uh, yeah. so I just, even just like community outreach with that, how that change helps the whole, our whole population. And just that one problem is a great example of sources of information because, uh, commercial commercials selling depends and similar products right have normalized leakage and it's Mm -hmm. nice that they take away shame from that process but where's the message that you can correct that with proper fitness and not not and that you exercise doesn't or, or heavy lifting doesn't have to result in urinary leakage. My mind is just going to like, there's so much information and you're like, we're blasted information from bigger businesses mm-hmm. and companies. And then some of the other um, information, like even just about pelvic floor PT and doing that instead of just relying on incontinence pads, like depends. Um, 
It's just that information is not as readily available. So I think that is the struggle is like people are like going back to earlier in the conversation, we're just overwhelmed with information. It's like, should we, should we go to the gym? Should we go to yoga? Should I wear depends? Should I I do something that I don't even know about? And like, how do I, and it, uh, I mean, it, I, we're in this world, I'm in this world and it, I still can get lost in it sometimes of knowing yeah. what's going to be. And it took me, I mean, yeah, Ayurveda, I'm glad I'm in Ayurveda now. It could have taken me much longer to find it, but mm-hmm. how do you, it's like, a, I think it's a mixture of just, yeah, somehow getting the information or even just following your gut and instinct or following what you enjoy. Cause like, I don't want to, I'm really into Ayurveda and yoga, but if you're not really like interested in yoga or find it fun, that's not going to be healing for you. So it's like, well, maybe you're more interested in fitness, um, and lifting and, um, but, and then you go there, but you can still apply some of these yogic principles that you're talking about, like mindfulness, um, slower movements, less weight, whatever it is. Um, which is, where I think we really shine because we kind of take elements from many different philosophies and bring them together to help, like to help the person where they're at and like what they're interested in, um, which I think is kind of rare because most places are just pushing their product or pushing their philosophy, um, even if that's not really like what you believe in or like what you like. And then that makes me think too, like, well, belief is really important i'm i'm reading that book right now called um you are the placebo <laughs> you heard of that no <laughs> no it i forget what the author is i'll have to get back to you on that but it's about how like changing your mind or your mind is one of the most powerful tools in healing and how like we knock the placebo effect but really it's this like amazing thing that like you can get you can heal from a sugar pill like that should tell us something about how the mind works and how if you really really believe in something then you're probably it's probably going to work um so if you don't really believe in yoga then like it's not really going to work for you um so that that's yeah. just like, <laughs> where my mind goes with all of this um and trying to find your unique path of healing in this world of so many options. And I love that you had talked about, like, even allowing someone's intuition, right? Like, I think that's what is unique about a lot of practitioners in their same bubble that we are in, is that we have the didactic or the educational portion that, and we can give you options, right? But we also allow that intuition and like what feels good to you. And some people like have never had that question asked to them and they just expect the experts to give them all the information. And then other people um, are really like like that um, and really embrace the ability to make those decisions and and use their intuition. Um, So it is always trying to meet people where they're at. Um, And that's definitely hard to find. at times it is yeah I think that you're right that is a really important part to really listen to what that person's gut feeling is what their intuition is and not try to force them in a direction that goes against that um because that I don't know 
that doesn't seem right. I wanted to add a little bit about that. You know, what is the best exercise, for instance? Um, And, you know, maybe the reason why, like, you're seeing this move away from promoting the use of exercise. Um, And in Ayurveda, they they talk about AMA, right? Undigested metabolic waste, which builds up from inappropriate food combinations, inappropriate timings of activities, like exercising right after you eat can produce this metabolic waste that builds up in the tissues. So uh, because of our society and how how we're promoted to eat, live, you know, we've talked about that here in the podcast in the past. Um, I think we have a society with mounting amounts of undigested metabolic waste, right? Because so we see the rise in uh, diabetes and obesity and kidney disease and um, liver dysfunction. So in that state, exercise won't be tolerated. Heavy exercise won't be tolerated. And I didn't understand that. I saw it all the time in my patients. Like I'd give them exercise and they'd feel worse or they wouldn't do it. And then I think, I used to think, well, they just aren't disciplined. But then I realized, no, they don't feel good when they do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I think I drifted to gentler forms of movement that didn't produce sweating or elevated heart rate or elevated respiration, which that's how Ayurveda defines exercise. They don't classify yoga as an exercise. Now I understand um, that depending on if that person has this high level of metabolic waste and you can be thin with that going on as well as heavy, it's not, not just about weight. Um, there, I'm going to need to start them at lower heart rates, not developing a sweat. And that's where you see things like the Moffatone method or the zone two exercise ideas take off where people are exercising at lower heart rates. Um, but we haven't fully rehabilitated them if they don't get to the point where they can do these heavier exercises. And I ran my own experiment on myself this winter because I was told to rest, that I needed to let my body recover. So I took advantage of that to do nothing. And that was a bad choice. <laughs> like, um, and it's what I think a lot of people are doing. Like, well, I can't exercise. So they do nothing. Yeah. But the, the well, middle, like go ahead the all or nothing mentality, right? That a lot of us fall fall into that what our belief system is of what exercise looks like or what nutrition looks like or anything like that. And we just think that we have to be 100% all in on one thing and having that choice is important. And I think making sure that we come back to, you know, the topic of the crooked line to healing or the crooked path to healing is like some people would be, uh, may, maybe they do rest, right? And they actually feel worse, right? And then they're like, what the hell? Like I've been told to, to rest and now I feel terrible. 
Mm-hmm. And then they're like, so I'm going to go back to whatever my exercise of choice was or whatever their lifestyle was. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel so much better. But they don't, but then people, including myself, have a hard time of justifying, well, what if the the quote unquote bad time is actually the healing time? Um, I, I, go, I go back, I think about going back to the nervous system and how the nervous system will do anything it can to keep you safe. And safety to the nervous system is what they're familiar to. So any change to that familiarity is going to be a threat perceived by the nervous system. Um, And so, and so then, yeah, so intuitively or that primal part of your brain is like, oh, wait, like we're not supposed to be doing this. I'm not used to this. This is new. So, and therefore I interpret it as this is bad. But in reality, it's, it's not bad. It's different. It's new information and Healing, unfortunately, has some times where it doesn't feel so good. Um, but through that, that thick times where it just feels like we're moving at a glacial pace, you know, it's actually where the true healing is happening. Yes. Well, we wanted to make the today shorter just because of our own schedules. But I think we're on a good track. And we should keep this topic going. But. <laughs> Sure. To sum, summarize uh, what we're talking about, what it's like, what are the underlying principles of healing create a uh, crooked path to a, a better state of health? I think what shines through in the conversation for me today is that anatomically is the nervous system and how it's influenced by our belief systems and where mm-hmm. we're getting our information from that and that what creates a crookedness in the path is giving that nervous system time to adapt to the changes needed for healing. Wow. Which might be in our habits. I'll have to let that soak in. The nervous system and how our belief systems affect it. And then right habits are ingrained in our nervous system. And it does take time to literally regrow different neural pathways within the nervous system, Mm -hmm. make changes and then sustain those changes. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing it isn't enough, you have to go through it. And we've all, yeah, exactly. That last little bit, like, yeah, you're right. Like the only way that part of the reason why that we feel so strong to this and feel like we can help people just because we have been through it we've been through those dark days of mental and physical healing and when you come out of it with more compassion and grace for yourself and others it's like a little bit easier to to then spread it to other people yeah pick pick practitioners who've had to do it themselves <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, you guys. Short and sweet. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. 
You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.